0: There's a lot happening in the world and too much news to keep up with. But that's why we're here. It's time for our weekly news recap, where we help you get up to speed on the top local stories. Stories like these.
1: No criminal charges against two Chicago police officers involved in two separate deadly shootings last spring. We have not gotten
2: the individual that killed Adam Toledo put in jail. He's still going to get paid. He's going to get his
1: pension. There are currently a total of 3,154 city employees who are not vaccinated. The vast majority of those
0: 2,367 work for the Chicago Police Department. We're not doing mass firings today, which is what I think a lot of folks Um, have been propagating. That's not going to happen. But we can't dig into those stories alone. My panel today in the studio for the first time since March 2020 is Heather Sharon, City Hall reporter for WTTW. Such a pleasure to finally meet you, Heather.
1: So glad to be here.
0: And WBEZ criminal justice reporter Patrick Smith. Patrick, great to see you.
2: Great to see you, Sasha.
0: (laughs) Well, I want to start with uh, the Chicago Police Department. So the deadline for Chicago police officers to be vaccinated, that's come and gone. Heather, what were the results? Well, it's a little bit complicated because Sunday,
1: March 13th, was the deadline for officers to get the first dose of either the Moderna or the Pfizer two-dose vaccine. And then they have until April 14th to get that second dose. Now, if they chose the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, they're supposed to be one and done at this point. But somewhere in the neighborhood of... 2,600 officers, last we heard, either have refused to tell the city whether they've been vaccinated or have said they are not vaccinated, which puts them at risk at this point of being disciplined and terminated. Now, it is not an easy process to fire a Chicago police officer for any reason. Mm -hmm. So this is not a situation where Mayor Lightfoot has the ability to sort of say, all of them are fired. Like, that's just not how any of this works. Um, But it does put the department in a little bit of more chaos at a time where crime is still very, very high historically. And there's a lot of question about whether the police department is really complying with the terms of the federal court order that requires it to reform itself.
0: Yeah, it talked about the position that it puts the mayor in. But what happens now when we have thousands of officers just... Unvaccinated what is the the consequence of ignoring the mandate
1: yeah it, it's it's a it's a, a a you know difficult situation for the mayor and we asked her and we i mean the the press corps asked her several times this week um what are you going to do? Are you prepared to discipline somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty six, twenty seven hundred 2,700 officers. And she really didn't answer. She has said consistently that she thinks that most people will get vaccinated when they are confronted with the you either get vaccinated now or you are fired. Um, nobody knows the answer to that question. Uh, there's also a question of what this does to the legitimacy of the chicago police department who are a significant number 20 percent of the department has said we are defying an order from the superintendent and from the mayor and we will not do this even though you have told us that we need to do this to protect literally the people of chicago and serve them and i think that is going to have far-reaching consequences that we just don't know
0: now Patrick, some aldermen are saying that the uh, potential termination of police officers, that presents a safety risk. And it's especially at, at a time when the department's facing that
2: staff shortage. So do they have a point? Yeah, their their point, it's not without merit what they're saying. We are still in the middle of a huge spike in shootings. You know, It's not a crime wave overall, but we've got really elevated levels of gun violence, which is obviously among the most important crimes because it... You know, it's literally life and death. And we are seeing a reduction in the police force. I think it's, it's, it's important to note it's not as dramatic as a, a reduction as maybe some of the re- rhetoric makes it seem, but we have seen it reduce numbers. And, you know, that means if, if they're really going to fire officers or put a bunch of officers on no pay status, which means they're not getting paid, it also means they're not out policing, obviously. Mm-hmm. There there could be legitimate concerns about deployment there. I should say there has been no indication that the mayor or the police superintendent has any appetite for firing a whole bunch of cops. Lightfoot, when people have said about this concern about safety, she sort of pushed back and said, listen, we, we're not even really disciplining anyone right now, so what are you guys worried about? Which Heather was talking about the position the mayor is in. She's in a bit of a tough spot because clearly she doesn't want to discipline a bunch of officers. She doesn't want to take a bunch of officers off the street. But you also can't have a situation where you have a mandate, but then you just say, actually, never mind. You don't have to follow it if you don't want to.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to turn to another big story, and I'm looking right at you, Patrick. Uh, Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox said that her office is not going to bring charges against the officers who shot and killed 13-year-old Adam Toledo and 22-year-old Anthony Alvarez. Last year, the two were killed in separate shootings, just days apart. So was this any surprise to you, Patrick?
2: It was not. I was not surprised at all when State's Attorney Fox announced that they're not going to charge either of these officers because the bar for charging an officer with with a crime in an on-duty shooting is just really, really high. And the bar is that, you know, if a reasonable officer could be in fear for their life or fear for their safety, they are justified in using deadly force. Both of these instances are, are cases where the person... You know, the child and the, and the 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 adult, you know, in these separate instances who were killed, had guns, uh, either right before they were shot in the case of Adam Toledo or when they were shot in the case of Anthony Alvarez. It's just really tough uh, with the way the law is to charge a police officer with a shooting if the person they shot has a gun, unless you know if their back was fully turned, then maybe. But that's not what we have here. And so I do think that this would, would have been a case that would have been, you know, maybe impossible to prove in court if they had brought charges. And as as State's Attorney Fox has said many times before, mm-hmm. they can't bring charges unless they, unless they know that they will win, unless they, they know beyond a reasonable doubt. And so, no, I was not surprised by the decision.
0: Yeah. How are families reacting to the news, Heather?
1: I think they're devastated. Um, And I think the Little Village community in particular felt Adam Toledo's death very, very strongly. And they see this as almost sort of opening this wound that it's sort of barely scabbed over. And it's really tough. But Patrick is 100 percent right. That sort of legal standard of did a reasonable officer fear for his or her life is really the whole ballgame. Now, what that leaves is the ongoing misconduct investigation being being conducted by um, the Civilian Office of Police Accountability. And that is into whether those um, shootings complied with the department's use of force. Yeah. And so that is really the next
2: mm-hmm. thing
0: that we're waiting for in both of these cases.
2: And we have two, two civil lawsuits filed Correct. by the two families as well.
0: Are you getting the sense from your reporting, Heather, that uh, folks are kind of putting the two officers in, in separate buckets here? So it's a little bit difficult
1: because, you know, neither officer has sort of talked publicly, has sort of given their side of what happened on those fateful nights. Um, but, you know, uh, as far as I know, I believe that the officer who shot Adam Toledo is back on duty. Um, I do not believe that the officer who shot Anthony Alvarez has been returned to duty. He had other complaints that he is facing and that he has to deal with. Um, So, you know, the question, I think, has fundamentally been since the death of Laquan McDonald so many years ago now. Can the police department, police itself, can officers who commit misconduct be held accountable? And I think that's an open question at this point.
0: Patrick, you both have said that this Standard for for charging officers, it's it's very high. Uh, but then Kim Fox did say that the officers themselves created the conditions in which the use of deadly force became necessary. So if the state's attorney is saying that, it sounds like a gap in accountability.
2: Yeah, well, and that's where this misconduct investigation that Heather is talking about comes in. Um, and, and and you asked about sort of the way people are seeing the two officers. I do think, especially in the way State's Attorney Fox talked about it, but also. Um, Way other people are talking about it, there is a difference in the way people are viewing these two videos. With the case of Adam Toledo, you have a 13 year old boy who's killed. That's just an. These are both unspeakable tragedies, but there's been a lot more criticism levied against the officer who who shot and killed Evan Solano, the officer who shot and killed Anthony Alvarez, because this is a foot chase that started over a a traffic stop, Mm -hmm. And, and basically what State's Attorney Fox and many other people have said is that. They should not have been approaching him in the first place because they knew where he lived. They could have gotten him at home, and they definitely shouldn't have chased him on foot to sort of set up this dangerous c- circumstances. The way the law works, you know, maybe it is a gap, maybe it's not. You can't charge an officer criminally for sort of creating a situation where there would be a shooting later. Yeah. All you can do is look at that one instance. We do have all these other mechanisms, specifically the civilian officer of police accountabilities investigation, that will say we'll look at, and you know, people will agree or disagree with the findings, but they will look at should this chase have ever happened in the first place? Were there other things these officers should have done?
0: As you talk about foot chases earlier this week, we spoke with uh, police accountability expert Craig Futterman about this story. Here's what he had to say, particularly about the foot pursuit policies. We can't forget that there was no foot pursuit policy. Um,
1: the mayor and CPD have long known of the desperate need for such a policy, but chose not to
2: implement one until they were finally forced to do so. I mean, these inherent dangers in foot pursuits that's not new to any of us the department of justice documented cbd's desperate
1: need for a policy more than six years ago Mm -hmm. people in the community have been demanding it years before that
0: where are we now with the city's foot pursuit policy a a year after these deaths patrick
2: well we're in a holding pattern which i think is is pretty surprising considering that after the the killing of adam toledo the mayor and police superintendent brown were both that was one of the main things they talked about we need a foot pursuit policy we have to do this they put in a, a, an interim policy in May, just a few months after the shootings. However, that was supposed to be finalized and made permanent last year. They missed, the de- they missed their own self-imposed deadline, and they have not said when they're going to have this permanent foot pursuit policy in place. Um, so I think it, it would be fair for activists and many people watching this to, to be disappointed by that fact because this was the big promised reform after these shootings, and it's just kind of stalled out.
0: I want to quickly touch on your story from today, Patrick, um, about how the state's attorney will be asking judges to give early release for some prisoners.
2: What's going on? Yeah, so this is a new resentencing initiative. It's based on a state law that passed uh, last year, went into effect at the beginning of this year. It allows prosecutors in any jurisdiction in Illinois to sort of review the prisoners that they have sent sent away and look to see if. They maybe should be let out early. I mean, State's Attorney Fox has said this is about – we have a new understanding of criminal justice. We have an understanding of maybe lengthy sentences aren't always the best interest of justice. This is a way to right some past wrongs by sort of doing individual looks at cases to see if some people who have been in for 10 years or more and in some cases even longer – see if they should be let out early. So
0: that's her reasoning behind
2: this? Yeah, initiative. her reasoning, yes, basically is is we can right some of the wrongs of of the past by doing this. There are a lot of people who won't be eligible for that. They're starting very slowly. I mean, they've got three cases coming up next week and, and maybe a couple more after that. So they're starting very slowly. I think she knows there's going to be political backlash against this. And she's sort of saying, um, we're going to go slow. We're going to make sure it's only for public safety. And I think they're going to be picking really model prisoners who are in for nonviolent offenses and have been in for a really long time.
0: Heather, we know that uh, Kim Fox has been criticized in the past and, I'd say, the present, uh, particularly by the mayor and also uh, the police superintendent, saying that she was, you know, going easy on criminals. So it seems like she may be making a bit of a target of herself with a move like this. What, what do you think, though?
1: So. It's important to remember that State's Attorney Fox was elected on a platform of reform. She promised that she was going to take actions just like this one, and she is doing that. So I'm sure that um, if she's listening, uh, hi, State's Attorney, uh, she's saying, I'm doing exactly what I promised my voters that I would. And this is part of a law that was passed by the General Assembly and signed by Governor Pritzker in the wake of George Floyd's death at the hands of Minneapolis police, and that it is designed to sort of address that systemic inequity that pretty much everybody admits exists in our prison systems the, the the issue is is that you know a year ago was a very different political moment than we're in right now where there's concerns about this persistent level of high crime and politicians everywhere have to sort of thread that needle be saying we're correcting these problems but at the same time we're not putting the public at risk and there are a lot of people who are you know justifiably unjustifiably they're just scared so when they hear Mm -hmm. we're letting people who have been in prisons decades out early I think there's a level of sort of anxiety that that brings up that we saw the state's attorney sort of say look we're not doing this wholesale we're not doing it willy-nilly we're going very slowly but at the same time the people who elected Kim Fox want her to do these things and she won re-election relatively easily Mm -hmm. yeah and the question is is she doing what she promised? Yes. Is she taking law steps in accordance with the law? Yes. Um is it still a fraught moment? Absolutely.
2: Yeah, and I could say just the reaction to the my piece when it published this morning, there's already that kind of backlash and response. I don't mean from, from Mayor Lightfoot or, or public officials at least not yet, but but the you know, uh, people on Twitter are very skeptical and cynical, not everybody, but of this a backlash that she definitely expected.
0: Yeah, and and just so we're clear, Patrick, are there any prisoners who won't be eligible for early release.
2: Yes. I mean, there's actually a lot. One, no one who's in for for, pe- for a homicide or for a sex crime is eligible for this based on the state's attorney's criteria. You know, it has to be people who have been in for at least 10 years for things like theft or a drug offense or been in for at least 15 years for other crimes. There's all sorts of other criteria. There's, I think the pool of people who might be eligible for this is is in the thousands maybe, mm-hmm. but there's a lot who aren't eligible. And as I said, they're going very slowly. I don't think this is going to be... It's not, uh, to be frank, it's not going to make an impact on, like, the prison population overall.
0: I want to pick up with the story that was really hard to miss yesterday, especially for some drivers – Chicago businessman Willie Wilson's gas giveaway did you two catch
2: the story oh I caught the story for for sure I did not get, <laughs> did any, get some I gas? did not get any free gas and I'm thankful yeah. thankful one I didn't get caught in the traffic jams caused by it and I also wasn't assigned to cover it which I was glad about to uh amen uh but but yes it was it was pretty hard to miss I there was a helicopter right over my house because we aren't far from one of the gas station uh. that had the giveaway but fortunately I didn't have to drive anywhere what
0: yeah. about you Heather
1: I was fascinated by the different responses this to it. There were the people who were really grateful to get free gas because they've been struggling with inflation and the cost of gas. And then there were the people who were just outraged that um, it was $200,000 of, you know, a fossil fuel being burned. And then there were the people who were really frustrated that um, gas was being wasted while waiting in line for to get free gas and um it was just sort of one of those events i think that that if you had a particular set of sort of pre pre approved opinions it fed right into that and of course it's another chapter in the fascinating story of of willie wilson who right. of course ran for, for mayor this. right <laughs> he ran for mayor he ran for governor he ran for president no, i'm sorry he didn't run for governor um but you know he has he frequently hands out cash to people at yeah. events
0: and this time he said he's giving away two hundred thousand dollars worth of gas for free at select chicago gas stations what a man. <laughs> so uh, despite the um, traffic jams and the long lines, he's going to do it again. In fact, the next gas giveaway is scheduled for March 31st. And he plans to make that one bigger and even expand to the suburbs, too. So we got to ask, Heather, as you mentioned, he's run for multiple elective offices, including twice for mayor. Is he laying the groundwork for another run, you think?
1: It, sure. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's the obvious. You know, if you run for one office, the chances of you running again are relatively pretty high. I I think it's just fascinating because he had somewhat of a kingmaker role in the 2019 mayoral election. He endorsed Mayor Lightfoot in the runoff against Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle. But since then, his relations with Lightfoot have been relatively tense. There was sort of, uh, you know, when he endorsed her mouth noises about consulting Wilson, and there's really never been sort of A public show of that. And he said he's frustrated by that. What's interesting is that Willie Wilson is a Republican. He's he's uh, admittedly a very conservative person and is in many ways out of step with sort of the more liberal parts of Chicago. And, you know, he only got five. He got less than five percent in the Senate race in a third party race. And it would be really interesting to see what he could do if he does run for mayor again in twenty twenty three.
0: He's uh, he's taken conservative positions, but has donated to Democrats.
1: Sure. Um, But, you know, I think he also probably is best well-known during the pandemic for sort of defying the, the governor's uh, shutdown order. He worshipped at churches that opened in defiance of those orders. Um, he, he got COVID. I think he has publicly sort of expressed some concerns about the, the safety and the efficacy of the vaccines, which everybody says are safe and effective and prevent COVID. And I think, you know, if he does run again, that would all be sort of part of the conversation.
0: Let's stick with city politics and look at what's happening at City Hall uh, and that ward remapping. Aldermen, specifically the Latino Caucus and the Black Caucus, they've been back and forth and back and forth again, uh, trying to come up with a new map of the city's ward boundaries. Where do things stand, Heather? Well, if it was May 19th, we
1: would be headed for the first referendum in 30 years to decide the boundaries of the city's wards. So there is still... You know, a not insignificant amount of time for 41 older people to come together and and pick a ward map. Um, every day that passes, a deal gets less likely because people get more dug into their positions. And uh, this has sort of broken down over the fate of one ward. The Latino caucus is refusing to back a map that has fewer than 15 wards with a majority of Latino voters, while the Black caucus says that's just not possible to protect what they call historic black Chicago. Mm. And this is all made more difficult by the changing demographics of the city. Chicago's black population has dropped significantly. Its Latino population has risen less than, you know, it's risen about 5 percent. But and while at the same time, the city's Asian population has really soared nearly 30 percent. So everything's a little bit different. And it has really turned into a zero sum game for political power between black aldermen and latino aldermen while at the same time this you know is such a a, you know we're talking about this as if it doesn't have anything to do with the city's historic um legacy of segregation yeah this is sort of we are talking about black aldermen versus latino aldermen because nobody can make you know because the white parts of chicago
2: are still so white I, I, i gotta say you know um democracy is important. The idea of sort of letting the people decide uh, makes sense to me. Uh, I don't know if I walk into a booth and they want me to vote on a map. I don't I feel like I will be completely as as somebody who considers myself pretty tuned in. You know, I will I will feel completely lost in a booth. I don't even know how that would look on a ballot. So I don't know. I'm curious about how this will play out. If there will be some grand compromise before we actually get to the day where. It'll be like voters picking judges or something where it's just like, hey, you guys figure this out and we'll see.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great point, Patrick, because, again, it sounds pretty likely that the final decision on where the boundaries lie, it's going to be in the hands of voters. Right. And and what's interesting
1: is that the last time this happened way back in 1992, the map that won... Was the map that was listed first on the ballot, and (laughs) anybody will tell you that you get a certain advantage by you know low information voters like Patrick apparently, (laughs) um, because they will just pick the first one they see and be done with it. Eeny meeny miny right, and um you know I'm I'm happy to walk people through sort of the ins and the outs if we actually get to a ballot um you know referendum, but this is a really complicated issue and it I it is hard to overstate how much impact this will have at City Hall. And at the same time, you have politicians like Mayor Lightfoot saying, you know what, we've got bigger things to deal with. And, you know, as somebody who sort of covers the ins and outs of this, I find that sort of frustrating because this will determine who represents people you know the people of chicago for the next 10 years and Mm -hmm. downplaying it is sort of like in the weeds or too complicated i think does the city a disservice but i am a well-known nerd
2: well i was gonna say i I think in this conversation i'm playing the role of dunce Uh, (laughs) i um i like understand and hear what you're saying about how important this will be in the future at the same time whenever there's a story about this i'm reading them and i'm also kind of like this feels so abstract and it's all about politics like let's I'm almost, I'm kind of with the mayor sometimes where it's like, can we talk about something else? Could yeah. we work on some other stuff? And I know they are working on other things. I understand it's important, but I, I kind of see her point.
1: Well, it's interesting <laughs> because part of the reason that we're at this point is because people like Alderman Ed Burke, who is under indictment and has basically lost most of his political clout at City Hall. He's pled not guilty. He's awaiting trial. He used to run this process in a back room away from prying eyes where you would literally see the map walk out of you know a back room at city hall and it would be approved. you would literally
2: see the map walk yeah, out literally
1: wow. like this was you know, <laughs> know. yeah yeah with Good legs one. and feet yeah um, and then it would be approved with very little public oversight or really understanding about what it would mean and you know there's something to be said for not having to worry about the sausage being made yeah. and the question is is can you know we and i include all of the news media in this you know tell this story in a way that people understand what's at risk and how they have been perhaps not best served by the process in the past even though it seemed less fraught Mm -hmm. all right well let's
0: fold the map for now (laughs) with its feet (laughs) another city hall story a lot of people are clamoring for the 11th ward seat that's vacated by convicted former alderman Patrick Daly-Thompson. What's the latest, Heather?
1: Well, uh, the clock is ticking. Uh, Mayor Lightfoot has said that she wants to pick uh, somebody to fill his spot by Wednesday and have the city council vote on that nomination on Wednesday, which means we now have two working days, if, or I guess two and a half working days. Um, and you know this person will have to go through the rules committee. Um, there's there's a process and the, the clock is ticking. So there's a four-member advisory committee who is going through the 27 resumes submitted by applicants. And the mayor is going to be under a lot of pressure to pick somebody who is Asian to represent the 11th ward because we just talked about what the Black and Latino caucuses disagree on. The only thing they agree on is that the 11th ward should be redrawn so that it has a majority of asian voters yeah. and that would be the first in chicago's history and you know whoever the mayor picks will get a leg up for that 2023 election and so this is not a small decision
0: that she makes and um time is ticking time is running out uh, well speaking of convicted former alderman <laughs> Former 22nd uh, Ward Alderman Ricardo Munoz was sentenced yesterday to 13 months in prison on charges that he used city funds for personal use. Now, part of what sticks out about this story, Heather, is that Munoz asked for probation instead of prison time, in part because he said that he uh, was less corrupt than other Illinois politicians. Make that make sense for me.
1: Well, I'm going to correct you just a little bit. Um, He was convicted of using money that was raised from donors Mm -hmm. by the Progressive Reform Caucus. So this isn't city tax money he's accused of misappropriating. So essentially, he had access to the caucus's bank account and he used that money to buy all sorts of things, jewelry, trips, skydiving, um, and he paid for relatives' college tuition. So that's what he was convicted of. And he basically said, look, it's not like I sold a Senate teeth, Senate seat. I'm looking at you, former Governor Rod Blagojevich. It's not like I shook down a children's hospital. I'm also looking at you, former Governor Blagojevich. <laughs> and um, the judge, uh, John uh, Ness, he he basically rejected that argument. He said you you abused the public trust. You were in the position to get at this money because you were an older person, um, and you you know need to go to prison to be held accountable
2: for yeah. that. It- And his attorney, Kling, uh, Richard Kling, also at sentencing used an argument that I have heard at sentencings before, which is, look, we keep giving long sentences to these corrupt politicians in an effort to try to deter corruption, and it's not working. And so why bother, which is it's a it's a funny way to to make that argument of like, listen, we're going to keep doing corruption, whether you send people to prison or not. So stop sending us to prison is a is is an interesting uh, argument to make in front of a judge.
1: And it's not one that you hear when you have somebody who is poor or accused Mm. of a violent crime or is accused of you know, a crime that does not involve having a title before your name. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there, you know, we've just spent a long time talking about sort of disparities and inequities in the criminal justice system. And I think this is another indication of it.
0: Another story on our radar, missing Chicago activist Elise Mallory. She's a 31 year old trans activist who has been missing for over a week now. What do we know? And what do we not know, Patrick?
2: We don't know very much. As you said, she's been missing for, for over a week, um, and, and as a well-known activist, there are many, many people out uh, out there talking about how, how you know, not just – it's obviously important, but how distressing this is and how little information there is out there. The Evanston police have asked for help, uh, you know, any tips, any information to try to, to, to locate Elise, um, and it is – it's just a very upsetting story that, that um, I, I know she used to work at the Chicago Reader, not that – where she used to work has anything to do with how important and and upsetting it is that she's missing but there are a lot of people who knew her and are are concerned about her and the fact that they still don't really know like much of anything at all is very concerning
0: yeah her sister went to her home and said that she found both doors unlocked and uh, Mm -hmm. elise reportedly went missing the day after quitting her job at the um, civil rights bureau in the illinois ag's office Mm -hmm. Uh, it's hard to ignore patrick that um She's the latest in what seems like a long line of black women who've gone missing in and around Chicago. What, if anything, are local authorities doing to tackle this very serious and, and very present issue?
2: Yeah, it's 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 a thing that has come up repeatedly over the, over the years. I mean, there's a list of, of dozens uh, of black women in Chicago, women and girls who have gone missing or been murdered um there there's a, a group out there that believes there there is or was a spree killer in chicago um and there's been a lot of outcry as you might expect from from chicago's black community that they don't feel like there is enough attention on that issue um the police department has said we looked into it and there's no evidence of a spree killer which frankly is almost more distressing that means that there's just that many people out there who have done done harm to yeah. harm to people um i do want to be careful we since we know so little about this it's it's good to to think in pattern and think of, of of how does this fit in and where 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 are the cracks in our society? Um, but but we don't know for sure yet. Obviously, you yeah. know if this is connected to that or not. And
0: we should note, police are asking anyone with information on Elise's whereabouts uh, to contact the Evanston Police Detective Bureau at eight four seven eight six six five zero. Four zero. As we wind down, folks, we want to know what other stories you guys are watching in the coming days and weeks. Uh, you go first, Patrick.
2: Yeah. So I'm interested. The city of Chicago is hosting these community safety town halls throughout the city over the next couple weeks weeks. Uh, they, they were going to do them virtually and then and then said, oh, there's been such demand. We're going to do them in person. I'm interested to see, you know, if what what they hear back. There's going to be police and city leaders there. Like, what kind of feedback do they get? Do they get? You know, a better understanding of what is needed in some of the the, the neighborhoods that have had the most violence um, on a little bit of a lighter note. Uh, Loyola is playing against Ohio State right now, I believe. I haven't been able to check the score in a while, but I, I have picked a, a, an upset in my uh, WBEZ bracket, so you know I'm rooting for Loyola. Yeah, well, Heather, what are
0: you looking at?
1: Well, Wednesday is the city council meeting, and that is always full of shenanigans and hijinks. It will be one for the history books because a new electronic voting system is sent to is set to debut, which means that I will no longer <laughs> have to strain to hear which alderman is voting yes which alderman is voting no and we will all at city hall step into the i don't know 20th century at least (laughs) if not the 21st century so so that's exciting uh you know there are also you know a significant you know we will also sort of see a measure that would uh sort of move the effort to build western access to o'hare move forward that has been in the works for you know, decades at this point, which is a very big deal, um, and we have you know more police misconduct settlements that are expected to be approved on
0: Wednesday. So many stories. That's yeah. WTTW's Heather Sharone and WBEZ's Patrick Smith in person.
2: <laughs> Thank
0: you both, and have a great weekend. Thanks, Sasha.
2: Thank you.
0: Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast WBEZ's Reset wherever you listen.